Well, this is Good Friday, and uh, and uh, I love I love this holiday. I love this time of year. I love uh, what it signifies in people's life. And what I, I've found through the years, even uh, there just seems to be something about the Easter season. Even people who are are not Christians, uh, people who are not followers of Jesus, there always just seems to be a different, uh, just a different atmosphere. It seems like this time of year uh, causes people to pause, to reflect. It causes people to have hope. And I believe it is the message of the gospel uh, that does that. Even in people who haven't received it, even in the people that haven't believed it, I I just believe there's something about the gospel going forth and being declared and being such a part of culture and society. I believe it just releases uh, something in the atmosphere. We we call this Good Friday, and I don't I don't know if you've ever taken time uh, to think about that why uh, why today is called Good Friday. But tonight we're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit. We're gonna talk about the goodness of God, and we're gonna talk about what makes this Good Friday. I read a story one time about uh, this this young man who had uh, saved up his money. He worked for a long time and uh, saved up his money to buy a car. And um, he, he worked and saved his money and rode his bicycle back and forth to work and just went through all of the things uh, that he had to do, all of the sacrifice to save up his money so that he could buy a car. How many of you, uh, how many of you remember buying your first car? You remember that? I remember that very much. I remember working hard and saving my money and buying my first car uh, some of you are looking at me and like, I, I have yet to buy my first car. I'm looking forward to buying my first car. Good for you. Well, this guy, he had worked and he had saved his money to buy his first car. Uh, but it was a little bit older car. It was the first car and it wasn't new. Uh, and it had, it had uh, the paint was a little bit faded. And uh, so he'd worked, he'd saved his money, and he went to a panel beater uh, after he bought the car to get the car sprayed, to get it painted. And he pulled up, went into the shop. He was so excited. Again, it was his first car. He'd worked so hard. And after he bought the car, he didn't have a lot of money left over. Uh, but he went into the panel beater, and he said uh, to the, he went in. There was old, it was an older man, older gentleman who was in there. And he said, listen, I just bought this car. And he told him the whole story. He had told him about how he'd been saving his money for years, and how he'd worked so hard. And, uh, and the old man was so excited for, for the kid and was like, oh, yeah, we want to help you out. And then the kid said to the old man, he said, listen, here's the thing. I want want a paint job on this car. I want a good, cheap paint job on this car. And the old man, I mean, he had been excited. He had been interacting with the the young man and the kid. And um, and, uh, at that moment, he kind of, he kind of stood, he stepped back. He was kind of, he was kind of taken aback and he, you know how old men do this. He kind of leaned back and folded his arms, kind of set in a little bit. Have you ever got that look from an old man before? Yeah. He kind of leaned back and he said, well, son, I don't, he was from the South in the United States because no one here talks like that. And it's my story, so that's what it sounds like. <laughs> well, son, I don't think I'm going to be able to help you. And the young man was like, well, wait, why? Why can't you help me? And he said, well, I'm not going to be able to help you because here uh, we just, we don't do that kind of work. And the kid said, well, wait, what, what do you mean? Aren't you a panel beater? Don't you spray paint cars? And he said, listen, son, 
He said, I, I'm excited for you, and I can see you bought this first card. I'm, pr- I'm actually proud of you. I'm proud of all your work. He said, but you haven't lived very long, and so you haven't learned. You haven't learned yet that in life, you get two types of things. You either get things that are cheap, or you get things that are good. And here at this shop, we don't do cheap. We only do good. And it may not cost you a lot, but it's not cheap. As we go into this Good Friday, I was thinking a lot about that story. It, it has impacted me a lot through the years because, um, especially after I moved to Durban, where we want to find a bargain on everything. <laughs> it's impacted me a lot through the years because I have found myself in my life oftentimes feeling the pressure between choosing good or choosing cheap and sometimes living with the delusion that I can get both. And in reality, you cannot get both. You can't get cheap and good. It's a law of economics. When you decrease the cost, you are going to decrease the quality. That's just the way that it is. And a lot of us haven't accepted that in life. And as a result of that, many of us live in that delusion. We are constantly trying to get cheap and we're trying to get good. And the reality is for many of us in our spiritual life, our spiritual life is negatively affected by this idea that I can get a good spiritual life cheap. And there's simply no such thing. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, made a statement. He said, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without requiring church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession, cheap grace is without discipleship, grace without the cross, Grace without Jesus Christ, living incarnate. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow. And it is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life. And it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin. And grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it costs God the life of his son, you were bought with a price. And what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his son too dear a price to pay for our life, but delivered him up for us. Costly grace is the incarnation of God. See, friend, Good is rarely cheap, and cheap is rarely good. As we go into this Good Friday, and we think about why is it called good, if you understand historically what this day means, this is the day that Jesus was taken before before the courts, and he was tried and convicted for crimes he had never committed. He was falsely accused. Ultimately, he was in prison, he was beaten, and he was hung on a cross. 
all of these things while being completely innocent on this day that we commemorate and call Good Friday. But if Good Friday is all about what happened to Jesus, if it's all about his body being broken, if it's all about him being hung on a cross, if it's all about him being lied about and falsely accused, if it's all about that, why do we call it good? Friend, the answer is really simple. The reason we call it good is because this is the day that we commemorate the price being paid that none of us could ever pay for ourselves. This is the day that we commemorate the fact that God himself stepped out of time and eternity and he stepped into our space and he said, let me take upon myself the price that you cannot pay. It is good because it is upon this day that we commemorate the fact that our sin was covered by the spotless lamb of God, Jesus Christ. We call this day good not because good things happened on this day. We call this day good because it is good for you and it is good for me. It is on this day that goodness broke through into your life of sin and my life of shame, into our brokenness and gave us hope and life where we could never afford it for ourselves. I wonder how many times in my life someone has been generous to me Someone has been gracious and kind and paid a price for me, sacrificed for me, and I didn't recognize the level of their sacrifice. Have you ever had someone give you a gift and you unwrapped it and you received the gift and you thought, oh, this is, this is wonderful and, and this is great, and you said thank you, and then you went away later only to find out how much that gift had really cost that person? See, it's an immature person who thinks that free is cheap. Let me say that again. It's an immature person who thinks that free is cheap. See, God's grace for you and God's grace for me wasn't cheap. Jesus paid a price that none of us could ever pay. He paid the price for our sin. He paid the price for our shame. He paid the price for our guilt. And none of us could ever afford that. His gracious gift towards us isn't cheap, even though it is free. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this Gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. And this is it. This is what Easter is all about. Kids, I, I want to say thank you for being here in service with us today. I, I know usually you're in the back and, and usually you have a lot cooler people and funner people up front and they're doing exciting things and Today you're stuck with me, and I want to say thank you for being with us today. Everyone in this room, I need you to hear exactly what I'm about to say 
What is Easter all about? It's not about Easter bunnies. It's not about rabbits. It's not about candy. It's not about all of those good things. It's not about Sunday lunch with roast and potatoes. It's not about all of those things. Easter is all about these words that Paul said to the church at Corinth. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. And this is it. That Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. That he was buried. That he was raised. Raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's what Easter's all about. This is the gospel. This is what Easter's all about. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. See, you may say, Pastor Randy, why are you teaching us this? We've heard this again and again and again. Friend, we live in a world in 2023 where the Bible is quickly being reinterpreted to mean whatever people want it to mean. Your children are being educated and inundated in a world of media that tells them that what you've taught them, what the church has taught them, what we believe the Bible believes isn't necessarily true and that you can turn it and you can twist it and you can say Jesus is a good guy and he did this. But here's what makes us as Christians uniquely different. We believe in a God that no one else believes in. We believe in a God who stepped out of time and eternity and did what no other God has ever done. He paid the price for us. He sacrificed himself on our behalf. He covered our sin with his love, his grace, his mercy. What Paul was desperately trying to teach the church in his day and what we need to understand and what we believe as Christians is that unlike any other religion in the world, we don't work our way to God. Instead, God has worked his way to us and has said to us, I will cover your sin. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to try hard enough. You don't have to work anymore. In fact, God acknowledged that no matter how hard we work, what we all innately know, no matter how good we try to be, we'll never be good enough. But God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to step across all of the bad, and I'm going to step into your existence, and I'm going to lay my life down for you. What we believe as Christians is that Jesus, God himself, stepped into our existence, that he died for us. That he laid his life down willingly for us. That in his death, he said, I'm covering your sin. It wasn't cheap, even though it's free. It wasn't easy, even though it's a gift. He stepped across our shame, our guilt. The Bible says that he literally took it upon himself. He took it upon himself and he bore it on our behalf. He went to the cross and on this Good Friday we understand that he allowed all of our shame, all of our guilt, all of our sin to be laid upon him. And he took it upon himself and hung on that cross for you and for me. As I read to you earlier, Costly grace is the incarnation of God. That is the gospel. That's what we believe as Christians. Not in a cheap grace. Not in a cheap faith. Not in an easy faith. But in understanding that our, our freedom cost God. Our freedom 
paid, was paid for with Christ's blood. Romans chapter 3, verses 22 through 26 says this, Righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Get this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All right, kids, this is when you, this is for you. I want you to turn and look at mom and dad or grandma and grandpa. Go ahead, look at them. So what I just read, the Bible says, for all have sinned. So look at mom again, give her, give her a wink. All have sinned. Every one of us in this building. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter where we come from. It doesn't matter what we believe. The Bible says that all of us have sinned. None of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. None of us have achieved perfection. The Bible says all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And get this, and all are justified freely, not cheap, but freely by his grace through redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. I want to teach you a word. Everyone say atonement. Come on, kids. You got to help me again. Mom and dad are quiet. Everyone say atonement. That's a, really, that's a really interesting word. So when you go back to school next week or I don't know how, whenever you go back to work, I want you to try to work in atonement when you're in your, to your teacher. All right? Can you try to do that? That word, atonement, literally means to have paid the price for. That's what it means. So whenever, let's try to think of a way that you can use this in your class. You can, you can be talking to your teacher and, and uh, maybe you didn't score what you wanted to score on your, your exam. You can go up to your teacher and you can say, I would like to atone for my last scores. How about that? Or when you come, here's what you can do. When you come home and you didn't get the mark that you wanted to get, go to your mom or your dad. And they have to because they are here today. They can hear, they're hearing this. Mom, I'd like to atone for these marks today. Dad, I'd like to atone. I, I, I'd like to somehow, the price to be paid for, for what has happened here. It's an old word. It's a word that we don't use very much. But it's an important word to us as Christians. It's a historic word and it's a powerful word. Um, everyone say it again. Say atonement. It means, that, it means that God paid a price for you and for me. A price that we could not pay ourselves. Jesus, the Bible teaches us, atoned for you. He atoned for me through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this, get this, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness. So Jesus paid the price for sin to demonstrate his righteousness. In other words, he was fully right. He was fully holy. He was without sin. Imagine that. Imagine never doing anything wrong. Has anyone here ever told a lie? No, don't raise your hand. I don't Here's the thing. Jesus lived on this earth 
and he was perfect. He was without sin. He never didn't get his chores done and told his mom that he did get them done. He never, he never took the exam and didn't try his best to study ahead of time, but told his dad that he had. Hello? He never told his wife that he attended to the garden, but he really hadn't. He hung out with his buddies instead. We never did that. We could go on and on and on and on. In other words, Jesus lived his life in perfection. And the fact that he died on the cross, the fact that he paid the price was a demonstration of his righteousness, was a demonstration of the fact that he was without sin. He had power over sin because he had never sinned. Get this. Because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished, he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Now here's what you have to understand about atonement. The Bible teaches us because every one of us has sinned, that sin comes with a price. Sin is like is like taking something and it leaves a deficit and atonement is the pain of that deficit and what the bible is teaching us through the work of christ is that sin cannot go unpunished god is so righteous he is so holy he is so just that he says of himself i will not allow myself to not live by my own law that i have created and so therefore, because I am so holy, I will require myself, I will require myself to play by my own rules. Have you ever done this? Have you ever been with your friends and you were, and you were all kind of the gear and you were hanging out and you were like, hey, let's make up, I want to make up a game. And you made up a game. And so you started telling your friends what the rules were. Ever done that? And then, the, and then you started playing the game and you weren't winning and so you changed the rules. Don't you hate it when people do that to you? If you had an older brother, older sister, they probably like mine, they probably did that to you all the time. They weren't winning and they changed the rules. Here's how holy God is. God says, I'm not gonna change the rules. The rules are this, sin creates a deficit. It releases death. And so as a result, I am going to, I am going to bind myself to my own holiness and so the Bible says that while being just and offering justification at the same time, what did he do? He provided Jesus as a sacrifice for you and for me. Friend, this is the gospel. And every one of us in this room, from the youngest to the oldest, need to understand it deeply. It must be imprinted on our heart. We cannot stray from it because this is the truth. And it is through this truth that we have life and we have freedom. Jesus himself did for us what we could not do. He paid a price we could never pay. And he did it all the while looking at you and looking at me and saying, I am determined to make what once was good good again. What do you mean, pastor? Well, this is what I mean. When God created everything, when he created the heavens and the earth, 
when he created all of the things that exist on the earth, when he created all of the animals and he created you and I, at the end of all of that creation, the Bible says that he stepped back and he said, this is good. He said, this is good. He looked at you. He looked at me. He looked throughout all time and eternity at all that he had created and he called it good. And then what happened? Humanity rejected what he had called good. Humanity rejected his holiness, his rule, his love, his grace, his provision. And humanity sinned. And as a result of that sin, all that was good was made not good. And so what did God do? God determined that when sin made what once was good not good, that he would not allow it to continue in its brokenness, but instead he would step into that which was broken and he would make it right again. How would he do that? He would do that through atonement. He would make it good again. He would make it right again through his sacrifice. You see, it is because God treasured you that he made you good. It is because God treasures you that he is here to make you good again. It is because of his love and his mercy and his grace. The Bible says in John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30, this is the story that happens on what we now call Good Friday. John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. Later, this is as Jesus is hanging on the cross. This is as he has sacrificed for you and for me. This is after he has been beaten. This is after he's been stripped naked. This is after he's been falsely accused. As he is hanging on the cross, the Bible says later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it up to Jesus' lips. When he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. When Jesus said those words, it is finished, on that Good Friday, what he was saying was, the price has been paid. What was broken, what was broken has been repaired. What was broken, what was not right, has been made right again. Atonement has been made. Here's the truth of the gospel, friend. The truth of the gospel is it doesn't matter who you are in this room. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how young you old, how, how young you are, how old you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have or you don't have. When God looks at you, what he sees is what he has called good. And he so desperately and passionately wants everything in your life to be alignment with how, in alignment with how he created you, that he was willing to pay a price that was not cheap, although it is free. 